The Green Chair is brought to you by you for you. To support The Green Chair, please visit our website and purchase a lip balm at thegreenchair.com.au. The Green Chair would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we have recorded this podcast and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. The Green Chair is produced on Wiradjuri Country. Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Green Chair. I am your host, Denny Maidens, and thank you for joining me for this week's episode. The Green Chair is an inclusive space for regional women to connect, collaborate, and interact with one another in a supportive environment. At The Green Chair, we believe connection, collaboration, and inclusion are essential, sharing the good, bad, and the ugly. This week's episode, our first, is very special to me. I have known Danae Delapaz since I was 19. We met at Ultimo TAFE when we were both taking a night course. Danae has been someone I have always looked to for guidance and advice. And whilst we have geographical distance between us, her impact has not faded. Danae is someone I wish I had known in high school. Someone who makes you see the good in others and yourself. So let's jump into it. Alrighty then, can you give me an overview about yourself? Wow. Okay. I'm Janae, obviously. I've got three beautiful children. I've been married to my husband now for almost 17 years. I think it is 16, 17 years. I teach yoga. I love teaching yoga. I'm a bit of a, my sister-in-law described me quite interestingly the other week of not being a chameleon, but I'm kind of I'm very observant in many or pretty much every situation and I can work out where to place myself, where my stance is, how to not get the best out of a situation, but how to really connect with people in um, different situations. So I'd say I'm a little bit multidimensional in that sense. Yeah, which is probably partly, I guess, from being like teaching yoga, but um, also too from life experience. I lost my mum when I was 12. So that really was a catalyst for me to mature quite quickly, dealing with her being unwell and looking after her. And so from a very young age, I've taken on the role of being responsible and I guess being the strong one, so to speak. That's kind of a rough overview. (laughs) I've always, I guess, found you very inspirational role model-y type as that like I still remember when I first met you at TAFE and you, yeah. just your presence, you're just so warm and inviting and everyone can feel comfortable with you. You just have that feeling. Mm. And I think nearly one of the first things of you telling me, I don't know, maybe I was, I don't know, 19, whatever mm. it was, and you had your two girls and you were like, oh, I've got two kids. And I was like, you're so young. <laughs> and you just look, you just, you've got, you just, I'm all about, I love people's skin. You've got beautiful skin and you look so young. And it was just like, and then you just come out with these lines of like inspirational, like guidance. And it was just like, you're just like Mother Teresa styling. And it was just, um, really? Yeah. I wow. always, I've always <laughs> felt that with you, like guidance wise, I feel that my parenting technique has very much come from things that you have said to me or I've watched with you with your children. Oh, wow. Thank you. It's, yeah, I've I've always really thought that and enjoyed that. And I guess that comes from your life experience very much, you know, with your mum and 
having your children and you've worn quite a fair few hats and I think Mm. that's definitely made you very well-rounded and approachable. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I can... Yeah, I can I can see that. I can get that. I think at the same time, I can also be seen as quite threatening from being that way. And it is very dependent on the individual. Just as in looking at the flip side, I know that I think if people aren't comfortable within themselves, maybe some people can find it quite threatening. But I'm, I don't know, like, you know, what you see is what you get. I don't pretend that I have my life together. In fact, it's very far from being together. <laughs> And I think the thing, though, is that no one has their life together. And the sooner that we tell the truth about that, the more connected people can be, is my opinion. But, yeah, thank you. No, but see, like, I definitely have never come up, like, have viewed you as a, in a threatening way. I think. Um, no, but I would say that's because you're very, you're very solid in who you are as a person. And I'm not saying it hasn't happened, like, a lot, but I do know that, well, I've just met you. I thought you were so stuck up because you're just all together. And I'm like, oh, really? Gosh, no, I'm winging life. <laughs> no, I found, I find that quite interesting because, like, I remember when I had Sienna and you mm. said to me that you wouldn't, give me advice unless I asked mm-hmm. for it. And Oh, wow. I can't believe you remember that. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. was really, really nice to hear because I had so many people that would say, you need to do this and you need to do that and you shouldn't be breastfeeding mm. so often and blah, 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 blah. And you were just like, what do you think? And it was just like mm. it was really, really reassuring and in every aspect of, I think you've always been quite, you're very grounded and that's my natural dog just scratching on my door because he doesn't like that he's not in here. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, I definitely don't view that at all. And I think what's also very interesting, and then we were just chatting obviously before I pressed the magical record button, is that you were born in Darwin and you've had quite an interesting, like you've lived in so many areas and have quite an experience across. So Do you mind if you just Mm. talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So my parents, uh, they were born and bred in Tassie and my mum was married um, and had my brother and sister before she separated from him and then met my dad. They moved to Darwin because my dad was worked at the casino up there and opening the casino. So I guess from my dad's job has been, I've had the opportunity to travel around Australia a bit. So yeah, so I was born in Darwin. We lived in Darwin. My mum worked in the communities, the Indigenous communities in Darwin or in the Northern Territory. Yeah, when we were, when I was, I think, about two or so, we moved to Perth again for my dad's job opening the casino in uh, Western Australia. And then so I grew up there until I was about eight. And then we moved to Sydney, which is, again, to open the casino. <laughs> in New South Wales and Sydney. Yeah, I've had the opportunity to move around and I guess even something that I'm very grateful for, obviously not losing my mum, but when we lived in Sydney, when we moved to Sydney, we lived in quite an affluent area, which was one of my mum's conditions with having to move to Sydney because that wasn't what she wanted or what she really yeah wanted to do. So we lived in quite an affluent area of Sydney and uh, when she became unwell and when she passed away, after some time, my dad met someone else and she actually lived and had built a life for herself and built her family home in Western Sydney. So I went from living 
in an affluent area of Sydney, very, you know, Caucasian, blonde hair, blue eyed, to living in Western Sydney and going to school in the inner West. So I went from being the majority to a complete minority. I think in my whole year of 180 students, um, I was one of three Caucasian people. So I had this really great opportunity of being immersed in culture as well as my stepmom is Sri Lankan. So I got exposed to the Sri Lankan culture. I was exposed really deeply to Italian, Lebanese, Greek, like all these different cultures that I would not have been exposed to in the same way, I think, if I still was on the trajectory of, of living in a very white Caucasian area. And then following on from that, my husband is Filipino. So, yeah, I feel very, very blessed that I get to be enriched by so many cultures that I know that is not necessarily the norm for a lot of people, especially, you know, whose parents were born and bred in Tassie and was born in Darwin. So, yeah, that kind of gives you a bit of an overview, I guess. (laughs) But I definitely think that that even like reflects in the food like you make and where you and everything is that you know so much about so many things and it's it's so inviting and you welcome conversations and have such an open mind and I feel that that's from that experience and there's been like a lot of uh, roller coasters and you know challenges along the way but I think it's definitely made you a very well-rounded approachable open person yeah yeah I mean I guess from I think from seeing and meeting and getting to know people from all walks of life as in just from obviously culturally but also, you know, when I was doing Quidline Mark Education, which is a personal training and development program, you really do get to see that I think we can get stuck in taking things on face value as in, you know, what our definitions of success is, what's our definition of worth or self-worth. And I feel like, I, I don't know, like everyone, no one's perfect. And I think I think people know that from a conceptual way, but everyone, and it sounds very cliche, but everyone has their own battles that no one knows nothing about. And I think, I just, I just don't feel that there really is that much space for judgment. I'm not like, I don't kumbaya and I, I know that I do judge people and judge things and I have my tolerances and my boundaries, but at the same time that everyone is an individual and celebrating their individuality is what makes I think the world a richer place versus needing everyone to conform to your opinions and your ways of being, I guess. That's a really great way to sum that up is that I think, especially for women, we spend so much time comparing ourselves to others and justifying Mm. ourselves and all that. So I think that's a really nice summary of that. And it's, and again, I know that I've been in that box of you compare yourself and do all those things, but Mm. you're not actually achieving anything by doing that at all yeah totally and it's interesting I've been working with I've been working with a psychologist probably for the last 12 months to do some more kind of inner work with processing losing my mum because I lost her like I was 12 almost 13 about 25 years ago that I lost her but you know we're always there's always new things coming to surface and all of that kind of thing and one of the things that we've really been looking at and working on is self-worth and It's been really interesting to see what we view as being worthy and what our value and where that lines up with values. And it's all very individual of what I think is worth something 
is different to what someone else might think is worth something and yeah being true to yourself absolutely and it, I think that it's a very big journey and I think the emphasis on mental health I don't think it's enough it's I think everyone should speak to a psychologist I think they should do it regularly I think everyone mm. should just I don't care if you talk about anything it's yeah just to check in just like you go and get your teeth checked or your eye test I think it's literally let's have a chat let's unpack some things yeah. let's do that I think it's ah oh. totally and that's a lot of with my psychologist tonight that the last time I saw her, I was like, every time I see you, I'm just catching up with you. Like, as in, there's a lot of unloading of this is what's happening now and this is how I feel about that and unpacking different things that it's, yeah, it's so beneficial. I mean, we we have started to do the inner child work and the work on, you know, dealing with losing my mom and, you know, what came out of that. Like, that's where I came to be. I have to be responsible. I could, you know, and I've had to, in a lot of ways, shelve my emotions mm. um, or I put that upon myself. You know, the age of 12, 13, dealing with and looking after a sick mother and losing your mother, you know, that's very emotional. But I, you know, my coping mechanism was to shelve the emotion and soldier on, which is what I do, which is really beneficial. It has been beneficial for me in many aspects, but then it's not because whatever you don't deal with or whatever you don't feel, get stored in your body, get stored in, you know, consciousness and you have to deal with it at some point, otherwise it messes with you. Independent third party that has no opinion to just be able to download and vent life with, I think is really important. Oh, absolutely. And I think if you haven't dealt with or thought about properly, you know, things in your past and especially your childhood, mm. like I know myself, if you don't deal with it, I didn't realise, oh, actually... That's, that's actually affects me and I do this because of what happened there. Um, yeah. And until you have those light bulb moments, you're like, oh, wow, didn't realise that. Mm. Now I can <laughs> go and do this, this and this and help work through this and, yeah, mm. I think it's – I think it's – Yeah, and mm. – I mean, from a yoga from a yoga perspective as well, I mean, I see, and I would never be as arrogant as to say, you know, like it manifests in people's bodies. We hold emotion in our body. There's an awesome book. It's called The Body Keeps the Score, and it's a really intense book to read, but it's basically um, a lot of studies that have shown that undealt with emotions and trauma get stored within our bodies in every which way and you see it from a yoga perspective if you don't deal with it let it release and work through it it manifests in different ways within your body that you have to deal with it at some point in any which way but I would never be as arrogant to say like you know if someone's got a bad back oh it's because you're not supported like you hear that a bit in the yoga industry like you know well what does this mean if you've got a sore knee you're not stepping forward I don't I wouldn't put it like that but I think as a society we don't give a lot of respect or weight to the fact of our mind so our mental health our physical health and our emotional health all three are just as important and they're all intertwined like if we have a thought we we will have a physical reaction with it within our body like you think about if you know you get a shock or you get scared you get that butterflies in your tummy or when you're about to cry and you're trying to hold back the tears, you get that golf ball in your throat. Like it's all so intertwined and connected that you've got to deal with it at some point. Yeah, that's my opinion. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like I look like my skin at the moment is really bad mm. and I know it's really bad is because I am stressed as no tomorrow. 
and my yeah. shoulders are so sore because I'm tensed and I'm leaning forward and my body's all cramped up and it's like I know that I I'm 100% aware of that but mm. if you're not aware of that and you just keep doing the things that you're doing yeah. you you're not going to feel any better yeah totally and it's the same with our mind if you know the beauty of speaking to someone speaking to a psychologist and I think in for women I don't think we give enough we don't shine enough of a light on mental health and the importance of mental health for women, like you said before, like going to a normalized, going to a psychologist. I mean, I love telling people that I see a psychologist. I love my psychologist. She's awesome. You know, it's not because there's anything wrong. It's just that it's, you know, it's beneficial and it makes me a better human being for myself to be with and for my family. So why, like, why wouldn't you, you know? Yeah. But saying that, it's, it's hard to find a good psychologist, I think. I like think you, you've, gotta, you've got to do the work. And the research and and that was one of the things I loved about my psych is our first session she was like tell me a bit about yourself this session is just to see if I'm a fit for you if you're a fit for me like no pressure complete honesty and I think that's the best introduction I've had to a psychologist ever because it's just straight shooting oh I completely agree like when I was going through processes for like my kids and stuff was one of the psychologists was trying to give me advice on parenting and she uh-huh. said to me that um, you just need to have in time. And I looked at her and I just thought, and some of the techniques she was saying, I just looked at her and in the nicest way possible, I thought she was just off with the fairies because I was like, mm. you don't know what this looks like or what parenting is. I love my psychologist because she literally will go, well, that sounds like bullshit, Danny. I don't know what's Yeah. I don't know what else I can say to that. Like that just I'm really yeah. sorry. Like that's just shit. And it's like yeah. just keep it real. Like instead of going, and how do you feel about that? You know how I feel? Uh, I feel yeah. really angry. Why are you asking me that? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think and it's with any relationship, working relationship, personal relationship, to be able to have that open communication, the authenticity, you know, like with yeah with my psychologist she'll be like I think this is this and I'm like I don't think that I think xyz and she's like "Mm, okay let's sit with that then I'm like okay fine like you know and there's no animosity it's just like yeah you're able to to be open and honest and to be straight up which why would you pay the hundreds of dollars if you couldn't be my goodness yeah it's just wasting both of your time it's like if you're not getting something out of it then what's the point yeah, and it's interesting, you know, just touching on with like women, mental health, that the, there's still quite a high level of taboo around it. Uh, you know, as women, and especially if you're a mum, even if you're not a mum, um, don't even get me started on people that don't have children and have the pressure of when are you going to have children because maybe they don't want to have children. I think that's just, that blows my mind that there's such a societal expectation that all women should have children, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> but um, you know, as as women and as moms or not moms, that we have there's such a societal expectation to do all of the things and have you know and work and look pretty and beautiful and like we have so much pressure as women in society and it, it does have an impact on mental health. If a if whether you want to conform to it or not, it's still there. Yeah, to look you know, to look healthy, to look fit, to, you know, put a nice meal on the table, to have an income, to have a social life, 
to moisturize to you know like all of those sorts of things and I think in a way it's kind of really not spoken about enough that and I see it with my husband and I love my husband he's such a team player he's an awesome dad as in he's a partner with me with raising our our family but as a woman we think different differently so we have so much more of a cognitive load with our families and running our families more so than what men do because men don't think the same way that women do so even though my husband physically I can leave him in charge of like you know dinner bed bath time you've got to pick the kids up xyz there's so much more cognitive load and because we're a lot more I guess emotionally well I know for me like with my daughters I'm very emotionally connected with them or I'm emotionally aware with them they'll come to me about things before they'll go to my husband it's not that they don't like my husband they love him and he serves so many purposes emotionally for them but yeah I think there's just not enough spoken about as women of the expectations that we put on ourselves that society puts on us and the pressure that that creates that's so unspoken in my opinion is just yeah not really I guess shared or it's quite taboo no I completely agree with that it's literally it's we have to do it all is I can't imagine and you know I'm sure there are plenty of men that do what I'm trying to do, but I don't, for me personally, I don't know any men that work full time, look after their children, take them to all their appointments and do all their stuff and study full time and then try to do Mm. everything else on top of that and then have people go, and how do you do it all? And what do you think you're going (laughs) to do after that? And then what do your children (laughs) think about that? And how does your husband feel that you're doing and all this stuff? Like, I don't think that that would even come into their mind like that just wouldn't happen and I get that Mm. all the time and it it is a thing is that we try to do so many things and it is that I don't know societal expectation of that we need to achieve we need to do this we need to be looking like we're doing it all and yeah Mm -hmm. definitely with a smile and like we've got our shit together oh absolutely if you don't then it's like oh she's not coping is she no she's not of course she's not coping she's doing like five people's jobs yeah like you know, <laughs> I think, um, and I think it's something that's not spoken about enough or not acknowledged enough, you know, how amazing women are. And even with women returning to the workforce, there's so much to be said about mothers returning to the workforce and their capability of multitasking many things, which I think is starting to be seen a little bit more, but um, to be said about the skills that you learn as a mother. Oh, absolutely. But I also find too is that when you get help, there is the judgment too. Like I've got um, these amazing people that come and clean my house every week and I'm quite Mm. open about it and say, no, they come and do this. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, because I can't do everything. Or I have somebody that does some of my ironing every week. And it's like, because I literally cannot do everything. It's just, there is not enough Mm. hours in the day and it is okay to ask for help. And it makes me a better person to be able to have Mm. other people to help me. Again, Mm. there's still that societal thing of why do you need someone to clean your house for? Can you not cope? Um, Mm. Yeah. It's also about like how you value your time. Yeah, You value your time to spend the two hours studying or doing X, Y, Z instead of cleaning your house and that's why you have someone come and help you do that that's great good for you I really hate mopping I really really strongly (laughs) dislike it and my entire house is like those vinyl plank things and it just wouldn't get done like I wouldn't do it yeah yep 
so cool. I hate the bathroom. That's my hate. Kate hates bathrooms. Yeah. No, I just <laughs> I don't enjoy it. So we're just trying to solve the world's problems, I think, just there. But <laughs> I just honestly, what a cluster. Um, yeah. Just to change it up a bit, I'm very interested to know what your morning routine is because, look, from what I remember is I hope you still like coffee because I always remember oh. that was a priority and I liked that your children knew how to use a coffee machine and I thought that was <gasps> a very good point. That's hilarious. I've totally forgotten about that. I love it. Yeah, it was yep. great. I remember that um, Millie used to like have the coffee machine like ready for you because you were like coffee and I was like, this woman, she knows her priorities in life. And like her kids oh want to look after her. I was like, I love this. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. So my morning routine, it changes morning to morning whether I have to go down to Sydney or not. Generally, I like to get up at sunrise. Ideally, that just really sets up my day in so many ways. I'll usually get up and watch the sunrise. If it's a nice clear day, I'll try and make it down to the beach. You know, even if just as long as I can get outside and see the sunlight or the sun come in the morning start that's one of my favorite ways to start the day it doesn't always happen that way which is fine so I start my day I feed my dog my beautiful chocolate labrador that is like follows me around so I get up I feed him get dressed go down to the beach and then I'll get a coffee or if I'm at home I'll do that make a cup of tea um, mm. just because I'm trying not to drink coffee first thing I know it's crazy but I've been doing a lot of research into circadian rhythms and productivity and focus and one of the things that I've been learning is to try and hold off having coffee 90 minutes like to, to have a coffee 90 minutes after you wake up so it's one of my experiments that I'm doing on myself at the moment to see if that works or that helps but it, I struggle with that I'm not that strict to it because yes I am still very much I'm not addicted to coffee but I love my coffee mm. I do have times where I'll have a coffee detox so I won't drink coffee for a month or two just to remind myself that I'm not addicted <laughs> um but yeah but I love I love my coffee and funnily enough so I make a stovetop coffee the macanesta I do it on the stovetop and I so funny I forgot about the coffee machine thing with the girls so I've taught the girls for the last two or three years, they know how to make the stovetop coffee. And now Amelia makes the coffee in the morning usually, and she likes the coffee in the morning as well. So yeah. her and I, we usually tag team making the stovetop coffee because it, it takes quite a few minutes for it to come up. So, yeah, so I've sucked her into the love of coffee. So we have a coffee in the morning. And, um, and yeah, and then I'm usually getting the kids ready for school. I normally hold out eating breakfast until around 10 o'clock just because I like to fast, intermittent, intermittent fast, which has become quite an, a buzz thing, but I've just always been like that. I'm just not a big breakfast person. I'd rather hold out and have something savoury at 10 or 11 o'clock. Yeah, that's kind of my morning routine. I'll usually, so if I do get up at home and I don't go to the beach, we'll sit outside, watch the sunrise, and I'll usually try and um, do my meditation then. If I don't do my meditation then, I'll do it when I get home. And sometimes even just five minutes make a massive difference for my day. I've really learned with my morning routine, A, watching the sunrise, and it's so good for our body clock, releasing the hormones in your body, watching the sunrise, that light, that UV light first thing in the morning is really beneficial, as well as taking five minutes to sit 
and just to breathe. And some mornings are really great meditations. Some mornings are atrocious. And that's fine. Just taking those five minutes for me is really sets up my day. So what time do you have to get up in the morning to be able to do that? Um, I get up anywhere from 5.30 to 6 o'clock. I mean, through winter, I, I'm very big on moving with the seasons as well and also moving intuitively. In winter, I've struggled to get up super early and go and watch the sunrise. It's raining, it's cold, all that kind of thing. This winter, I've struggled more so than previous winters, but also too time-wise, like the sun has had been coming up at 7 a.m., so I'm usually starting my day by then anyway. Now that it's getting lighter earlier, yeah, I'm getting up around 5, 5.30. That's how how early I get up. But it's a funny thing. Like I'm not naturally a morning person. I never have been. I'm just training myself more and more. And it's just more about empowering myself, really, because it really empowers me to start my day on my terms, not being woken up by my kids or having to rush somewhere. Just waking up on my own terms, having my own time for me makes a real difference. Your outlook probably on life has been, I don't want to say different. I think it's been like you've got quite a broad viewpoint on things and that for Mm -hmm. me I've appreciated so probably then what you've done I don't want to necessarily as like that money's been a factor but it's it's you know money's always a part of our lives unfortunately but if money wasn't Mm -hmm. a factor in anything that you ever had to worry about what do you think you would do with your time Oh, wow. That's such a broad, big question. don't know. I would probably travel a lot more than what I'm traveling now. Obviously, I mean, coming out of COVID, but if money wasn't a factor, I probably, yeah, would take my family and travel more, take them Paris, France, Europe, more of Asia. What else if money wasn't a factor? I don't know. See, I kind of, and this might rock the boat. I kind of don't think, I don't, I think people put money as a thing more than it needs to be because I've seen so many people that have a lot of money that are very unhappy in life. And I've even, I guess, in some ways been in that trap myself thinking like, you know, oh, if I had more money and then I do get the more money and you're still left dealing with the same stuff that you've got to be dealing with in life as in your relationship to yourself and the relationship with others. But if I had all the money in the world, I would, I'd probably still be living where I'm living. I'd maybe live on the beach but even then it wouldn't be a big grandiose house I'd like a beach house right on the beach and there's one that sold near our place for 10 million so that would be good (laughs) um and then travel more with like take my children my family and travel a lot more to give them more experiences which is that's kind of when we've looked at schooling and things like that we've looked at what our values are and when my daughter started high school that was one thing we looked at which was okay we can send her to this private school or we can invest the money that we would pay on the private school and take them traveling every year and around the world like in different places in the world and give them a, an experience of the world and that's what we chose to do which was great up until COVID. But I really like that is because I really appreciate life experience and I for me traveling and I haven't been able to do very much and got to do some just before COVID is how Mm. much it opens your mind and how much there is beyond schooling and you know your home whatever bubble it just Mm. broadens your mind so much and makes you appreciate more things I think yeah and it's funny I think even with traveling with kids I I can see now like 
you know, we travelled with the girls, like even when the girls were like eight or younger maybe, I can't remember, but now that they're older and they study things in school and they're like, oh, yeah, I've been there, like I've been to the Louvre and they're now really appreciating the enrichment that they received when they were younger, mm. if that makes sense. And, yeah, I think I think life experience is everything. And I think, you know, there needs to be a balance as well, but, but we definitely really value life experience and teaching our children different cultures and different things. When I was younger, we were learning like Japanese in school and I was like, oh, what am I ever going to do with this? Like I live in Koba, where am I ever going to speak to anyone in Japanese? And then when I went there in like 2019, 2019, 2018, I was like, I really Mm. wish I paid more attention to Mrs. Arnold because (laughs) um, this would have been really helpful today. Yeah. Yeah. And I just loved it. I loved every second of it. I would love to go back there tomorrow and just immerse myself into that culture and it's Mm. such an experience is that I would have never been able to get unless I'd actually physically went there Mm. yeah absolutely I always I think about things about when I was younger and then I'm like oh I really wish I knew that and then I'm like oh maybe maybe it was good that maybe I didn't know that so then I'm like oh look how much I've learned and I've grown and everything but I guess, do you ever have those moments of thinking, I wish I knew that when I was younger for like young days? Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I was 19 or 20 and I'd just gotten this job that was, I thought was my dream job that I really wanted or, you know, I was really chuffed that I got the job. And my sister was, who's a lot older than me, was traveling overseas on the cruise ship, working on the cruise ships. And she rang me one day and was like, I want you to come and be on the cruise ships like just for a week. So I'm going to pay for you to come to LA and pay for you to go on the cruise and then you can do whatever you want. Like, you know, so there's your six months notice. And I was like, oh, no, I've just got this job. I can't leave this job. And I didn't go. And I still, you know, like, I guess I was scared of travel, scared of the wide world on my own. Mm. Um, and that is something to this day I'm like, wow, like I wish I had more adventure. I had the courage to be more adventurous. But I was so, yeah, you would live in the lines and not was too was not brave enough to live outside the the bubble so yeah I wish that I had have known that and I mean back when we were kids like when I was a you know a child or even when I was a teenager and a young adult travel wasn't as accessible as what it has been in the last six or so years like it was still really expensive it was only when there were different airlines and this is back in the ANSET Australia days or when I was younger but do you know what I mean it wasn't I remember living in Perth and you know in Perth now it's like I think 150 bucks to fly to Bali so a lot of Perth people will go to Bali for the weekend whereas when we lived in in Perth in 2006 it was not like that like you know I think now that I'm older I wish that I had traveled more as a young person and I did you know I had my children young now is my time to travel I guess but um yeah I wish that I explored the world more when I was younger it's quite funny is that people used to say that to me when I was younger that you should go and explore and stuff like that and it was just like oh oh, yeah, I need to go to work though. Like I need to go and make yeah. money and I've got this car I've got to pay off and oh, I just got a house now and I've got to pay that off and I've got to do this and yeah, yeah this is great. But I'd only, I hadn't, well, I still haven't been to many places and we didn't have very much money growing up. So our holidays were in the car driving for like 10 hours to get somewhere. It was like, that was our experience because everything was so expensive and it felt a bit, unobtainable maybe um Mm. yeah but 
well, now it's like, I really would like to go here. I'd like to go there. And it's like, you know, still can't go everywhere. And there's a whole range Mm. of issues of things like that. But that different mentality, I guess, of from then to now. And and it's not even that big of a time frame, but how much that's changed, I guess. And I think, you know, again, I'm going to sound really old saying this, but like with the internet and everything it's I feel like we are more connected now and that it has opened our mindsets of that oh yeah that is there we can actually go and look at that because I've been looking and reading about this and following this person on Instagram who lives here and I'd really like to go to that restaurant or whatever it is it's yeah like we didn't have that before yeah and I think as well like you know we have we are older and we have been adulting for a while and we realize and appreciate the freedom that we would have had in our late teens early 20s which at the time we thought we didn't have that freedom and we not wanted to necessarily grow up but you know we were we were also following cookie cutter societal expectation of we should save for a house and we should do this and we should do that and do you know what I mean whereas now that we're older we're like oh we should have just gotten a job worked our butt off for 12 months and gone traveling and worked it out in the wash whereas back then my my perspective on on things was that that wasn't necessarily possible, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I was really scared of like that risk-taking thing. Like there's so many people that I've spoken to now that are like, like, oh, I lived overseas for two years. I worked in Canada and then I worked here and I got a visa here. And I'm like, how did you do that? And they're like, oh, I just applied. And then I lived and I shared a place with this person. I'm like, I just, that for me was such, like I would have never envisioned or thought of that because I was like, that's such a unobtainable thing. Yeah. If there was anything that I could go back to my younger self, it would be to tell her to to take the plunge, take the leap and trust. Yeah, it is that hard medium when you're younger, like you think you know everything and you've got it all sorted and then you're like, you don't want to also listen to other people as well. And growing up sounded like this great thing that you needed to do and then you grow up and you're like, adulting is hard. I wish I um, <laughs> I wish I kept yeah. doing the non-adulting fun things, but yeah. yeah. Mm. But we get to be that advocate, I guess, for our children. You know, I know, I know that I am with my children. I'm like, go and live your life. I swear, that's like the biggest thing. I feel like I constantly say, I'm like you know, be happy. I'm like, have boyfriends, have girlfriends, go travel the world. Your brain's Mm. not fully developed until you're 25. How do you know what you want to do? You know, try Mm. something. Who cares? Live wherever. Very hard to be like settling and having it all set out and know what the plan is when you might not necessarily even know who you are as a person. And I think it's very hard to know who you are until you have that life experience, really. Yeah, absolutely. Like I definitely have some favorite things of what I love about you, but I would love to hear what you uh, would view as your favourite things about yourself. Oh, wow. I love that I can flip a situation. I'm pretty well trained on switching a negative to a positive. I love that I'm pretty good at reading situations in terms of like intuitively. I can pick up on things pretty well most of the time. And my gut instinct, I mean, our gut instincts are always right, but I'm I love that I can yeah do that. I don't know. I love that, yeah, I I have a pretty 
positive and healthy aspect of life and live a fairly healthy aspect of life. And sometimes it's not until I experience other people's views on life that I realize I do have a, a pretty positive or a pretty empowering view on life. I love that I get the opportunity to teach yoga to people. Sometimes, you know, things that I talk about in my yoga classes, I have no idea where they're coming from. And it sounds very woo-woo, but, you know, I'll just kind of go on a change and I'm talking about something in the, you know, theming something in my class. And then I'll find out later on that it really made a difference and impacted people that were in that class. And so then I kind of go, oh, wow, that's cool. That's why I did that. I love that I get that opportunity to do that. I love, I love that I'm a fun mom. I feel like I give my kids a good life and a good experience of life, which I think is, you know, really important to embrace and let them be children and embrace and let them be teenagers versus making them conform to a certain way of life. And definitely my children know boundaries, but I think it's really cool that they can tell me anything. I love that I've created that relationship with them, that they know they can tell me anything and there may be um, consequences, but if they tell the truth, that will be better than if they tell me a lie mm. and I find out, which I, which we always find out. Your parents always found out most of the time in whatever you did. So yeah, that's kind of off the top of my head. Before I had kids is that what I really liked was just watching how you did things and explaining to your children about expectations and you always have been fun but it's been you're fun but you're fair and I think everybody likes to know what's coming next and what's it, what mm. the expectations are and you're very clear at laying them out but it's also these are the expectations we're also going to be having fun and then you put fun music on and you'd be doing something but it's that clear path of expectations and what's coming next that has I think shaped them and for me what has been insightful to watch and again it's been like years since I've been able to see the small people that aren't so small anymore but Mm. it's probably reflected on my own parenting of how you have done things for and I've watched you do that because of how you've laid it all out and then creating that space where they feel comfortable with you which is also I think how people in general feel comfortable with you because you provide that safe and environment the expectations have laid out of this is how we expect to be treated and all those sort of things I just um Mm. I really have appreciated that and that's yeah something for myself I guess has been beneficial in knowing you that sounds so Mm. weird I guess (laughs) in a random non-stalkerish way Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Thank you. That's really, um, yeah, that's really cool. I guess one of my, not mottos, but one of my things I remember when my kids were little is that our kids are to be enjoyed, not to be survived, as in it's about enjoying being with our kids. And, you know, like my kids still do things now that just drive me batty. My husband and I joke, it's almost like we live with flatmates now because they're older and teenagers and it is. We'll be like, oh, the flatmates, you know, didn't fill up the ice tray. Mm. and left it in the freezer the flatmate left one strawberry didn't decide to finish it or throw it like you know those Mm. kinds of things we always Mm. joke about that but teaching and training everyone in your life about how to be with you and what yeah what you value what you tolerate and if they want to conform to a grade if they don't that's so fine as well but when you have children your job is to teach them how to be in the world and it is about teaching them and training them on yeah you want them to be kids but it's also I remember I would always be like okay we're going to such and such a house remember it's their house it's not our house you know you need to be respectful and mindful of it's their space you can't jump on the lounge you can't do this you can't do that and you know yeah we're going to enjoy spending time with them kind of thing a lot of it stems from 
raising your children or teaching them how to be in the world so that they're enjoyable, not so that they're, you know, they're a pain in the butt that you've got to survive and put up with. That sort of then flows into when I sort of want to ask you about how can women better support one another? And I think that that experience too with having teenage daughters and things like that and being a woman yourself and a whole range of things. But I think it can sometimes be, especially that we can be our own worst enemies women and we can be sometimes a bit vicious or malicious or jealous or whatever it is. And it's sometimes hard to support one another when there are those preconceptions maybe and things like that. So I'm just interested in what your take on that is. I've had a lot of friendships that have gone through seasons and through phases and it's actually something that I still work on to this day. You know, I'll be sad that some friendships do come to an end, but I think, and there's been quite a lot of movement about it recently or a lot more education, of course, on social media about how, you know, relationship breakups or, you know, there's so much relationships, sorry, like friendship breakups, like there's so much focus on when people break up in a friendship, like a boyfriend-girlfriend or a girlfriend-girlfriend, like a romantic relationship scenario not so much on friendship and I kind of I am all about building each other up and supporting each other I don't I think that that's really I think you know having each other's back I think it's okay for friends to rub you the wrong way like I don't think that it should always be rainbows and lollipops and sunshine Mm. you know you can see a friend that's doing something that maybe isn't aligned with your values and you can acknowledge that it's not in alignment with your values but they can still be your friend and you can still support them and have their back I know for me personally I'm someone who I will have someone's back no matter what but if they mess with me if they cross me intentionally or you know like then I just I don't cut them off but I just kind of back off a bit like and that's probably a bit of an Aryan thing an Aries thing but I think I think women are very competitive and you know you look at like animals even dogs you know female dogs are called bitches it's not and I don't mean that in a derogatory no. way but I think women can be catty when they're together but they can also really build and support and grow and build each other up I think that it's silly to think that you can support women and it's all that toxic positivity like mm. yeah you go girl I think having you know a good friend is when you can say to them yeah dude that's not cool that this happened but that's fine like let's get you out of this situation or you know if it were me I would do this you know like for example with you when you know you were sharing and it is it's always my policy when someone's pregnant like a friend I will give them so much suggestion advice if they want my advice and I'll usually ask do you want my advice and opinion on this and they'll say yes or they'll say no Mm. but then I'll you know be like oh you can do this this and this to breastfeed and this this, and this and like I always do this and I like to follow this routine and la di da di da di da and then once they have that baby I keep my mouth shut Mm. because yeah they do have everyone telling them what to do how to do it and you know it is up to them and if they come to me I'll give the advice if they come to me again and again for advice and don't listen to my advice I then kind of go I'm not really going to expel my energy on giving you the advice because you don't listen to it which isn't and I don't say that in a way of bad blood or Mm. you know like nastiness I'm just like I'm putting my boundary up and that's you know whatever and that has happened with a few people and a few friends I just kind of go oh you're not actually interested in 
embodying this so that's cool that's so fine but yeah having each other's back but also being realistic about it like you know having each other's back and also being honest with each other not in a way that's going to drag them down but to to make them a better human because we're all growing and learning and everyone I think women and people in general are judged so much in society and a lot of it is self-expectation and self-judgment I think giving someone the freedom to be their full self-expression of themselves no matter what is the best way to support someone that was our first episode hope you enjoyed it we will be back next week same time same place with our next installment we have some brilliant episodes coming up so keep a look out on our socials for our sneak peeks you'll hear from us soon